Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. This week, I was in a meeting with Pastor Al and Pastor Ken, and I made mention to them, you know, there's basically three things that people look for in a leader. The first thing is really, do you care about me? Do you love me? Do you care about me? Uh, The second thing is, can you help me? Can you help me? And and I want to say that I believe the message today has the potential to change your life. We're going to say some things today that that could change your life. And and saying that, I want to say this. What typically happens is we think that we're going to go to a service or we're going to go to a seminar and something's going to happen at that particular instant that's going to change everything. Now, what happens is a decision is made that you follow through on that changes everything. Real change is process. It's it's daily. How many of you know? If I eat a piece of cheesecake once every two weeks, it's okay. But if I eat cheesecake every day, it is not okay. <laughs> There's going to be a lasting change. You know, it's what you do daily. It's what you do daily. And then the, the last thing that people really look for in a leader is they want to know that they can trust you, that you're trustworthy. Right? And uh, those are the things we look for. But we're going to be, I just wanted to mention that, that can you help? And, and today, um, we, I believe we're going to do some things that are going to really help. All right. So with that said, I want to talk to you today. And I've entitled this message, Mirror, Mirror. And just to kind of give you a little context of where we're going to start. Moses is up on a mountain with God, Mount Sinai. And he spends 40 days with God. When he comes down from the mountain, his face is shining. Literally, it's like the reflection of the glory of God is on him. And the Bible says that he puts on a veil. Now, he does not put on the veil for the reason we think he puts the veil on, so that people won't see his face shining. The Bible tells us in the New Testament it's the exact opposite. He puts the veil on so that people could not see the shining fade away or the glory fade in other words, the, the, the longer he was out of God's presence, the more the glory faded away, right? which is really kind of telling us that we need to stay in his presence. We need to stay connected. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it's referring to this experience with Moses in the veil. And it says, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Message Bible says it. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. Notice our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. Now it says we're beholding that glory as in a mirror, 
right? Well, the mirror that it's talking about is the word of God. And as we look in the mirror of God's word, we're supposed to get a picture of who we are, of what we have and what we can do. Now, I've said this before, and many of you know this. I believe most of you do. But the purpose of the Bible is to change the way that you think. That's the purpose, to change the way that we're thinking. So as we look in that mirror, the mirror of God's word, you know, they, they, there's the uh, old story about Snow White and the seven dwarfs. And the quick, wicked queen would go to the mirror every day. And what would she say? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Well, what you and I should be doing is we should be saying, having our Bible and going, Bible, Bible, in my hands, show me who I really am. Because that's where you're going to find out who you really are. It's not the mirror of what society tells you and people tell you and your past tells you and your hurts and your rejection. That's not who you really are. Who you really are is who the Bible tells you that you are. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, if anyone, that means you, is in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. When we come to Christ, we literally need God to introduce us to ourselves, because we are not the same as we were before. In fact, one translation of that verse says you become a brand new species of being that never was before. You are new. And we tend to think that we still are who we used to be, because what God does, he does in our spirit, in our inner man, in our mind did not change. It's our spirit that changed. And so our mind keeps on telling us the same things in James chapter one, verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, into the Bible, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. Blessed in what he does. James tells us, as we look into that mirror of God's word and we see who we are, who God's made us to be, what belongs to us, what we can do, if we do it, we will be blessed. Paul in Corinthians tells us that we will be transformed. We will be changed, right? Uh, God is working on every one of us to change what we believe about ourselves. We all believe wrong things, right? We're, we're looking in the wrong mirror. We might look at from the mirror of our past, guilt, shame, failure, the mirror of culture, society, something, something that somebody said to you that affected you, right? We're looking in the wrong mirror. All right, you, we have to define ourselves by who God says that we are. Because the truth is, you are who God says you are. And you have what he says you have. 
and you can do what God says that you can do. And by the way, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians 1.20, where it says, all the promises of God are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So what is that saying? It's saying that every promise in that Bible belongs to you. And by the way, I haven't counted them, but I've heard or read multiple times that there are over 7,000 different promises in the Bible. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 and 6 that you're accepted in the beloved. So often we have this idea that we've got to do things. We've got to perform in order to be accepted. But the Bible says you're accepted. And by the way, the Greek word there is the same word that Gabriel used when he appeared to Mary and said, you are highly favored. You're favored. You're accepted in the beloved. And we need to look at the mirror of God's word, not the mirror of failure and rejection of guilt or our past, our emotions, how many likes we get on social media or popularity or how skinny or not skinny we are looking at figuring out how worthy we are. Uh, Let me just talk to you about a few of the mirrors that we look at. So often we're looking at the mirror of failure in rejection, which basically says, I am what I did. I had a divorce, I had marriage failure, I made wrong choices, I've had addictions, I've lust, I've got this, I've got that, I did this. Listen, you did what people say that you did, and you did probably what the devil said that you did, but you're not who he says that you are. That's not who you are. Right? You are a new creature in Christ. You're redeemed, you're blood-bought, you're justified, you're sanctified, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you're an ambassador of heaven and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's who you are. Now, you may have done those things, but that's not who you are. On the inside, there was something going, no, 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 that's the real person that you are. And, And we need to grab hold of who we are. Bible, Bible in my hands. Tell me who I really am. So often we're grabbing hold of the past. Several years ago, in fact, 30 years ago, roughly, uh, I took four of the pastors here at church and we were having a children's camp. And so we went up to the camp and we were talking with the director and with some of the, the workers at the camp and just they're encouraging and seeing what was going on. And they had a couple of rowboats and we had taken a couple fishing poles along, and so we uh, took those two rowboats, two in each, two pastors in each rowboat, and went over on the other side of the lake, and we fished a little bit, and got to be time to go back, and, and uh, you know, guys are competitive, so, so let's, let's, like, let's race back, all right? I'm on, the, I'm on the oars there, and we take off, and we're going, and I'm rowing as fast as I can, and those guys are pulling away like crazy, and I'm thinking... I am in better shape than he is. I know I am. And I'm trying harder than he is. And I'm just working. And then I look out the back, and the anchor is out the back. (laughs) You know, when you're trying to make progress spiritually, and you're holding on to your past, it's like an anchor. You keep going. You're trying. You're putting the effort in, but you're not going anywhere. In fact, the apostle Paul said this. He says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. 
You know, he had been a persecutor of the church. He had been a murderer. He had been there when Stephen's life was taken. And he had all of that sort of stuff that could have come on him. But he says, you know, I put all of that behind me. I forget it. And I reach for those things that are ahead. You know, God doesn't speak to you based on your past. In fact, he always is calling us to our destiny. He's, he's saying, this is where I want you to go. I think there's a great example of this in the book of Judges. It's one of the Old Testament books. The children of Israel had, had forsaken the Lord and the enemies had come in and were oppressing the Israelites. And there's a man by the name of Gideon. And he, he gets a little bit of wheat. And because of the enemies, he's hiding. And he hides in a, in a, in a, a wine press. And, and, and literally, if you've ever seen him, I mean, you could lay down and like in one and hide. Right? And he's hiding and he's threshing some wheat. And the angel of the Lord shows up. Now, let me just say, a wine press is not where you thresh wheat. You want to be in a wide open space, right? He's doing the exact opposite. This is kind of like the equivalent of taking a bath in a Volkswagen. It's the wrong place, <laughs> all right? This is what he's doing. He's in the wrong place. He's supposed to be in the open where the wind takes the chaff away, but he's hiding, probably laying down in that circle where they press that wine. And the angel of the Lord appears to him. And uh, by the way, when the Bible in the Old Testament says the angel of the Lord, it's what theologians call a Christophany. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And Jesus appears to him and says, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. I imagine he looked around and thought, who else is here? Because he's hiding. He's afraid. And then he talks about why he's afraid. And he said, my Lord, why, if, if God's with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles that our fathers told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord's forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He's looking at what's happening around him. And he's identifying with that instead of what the angel of the Lord, Jesus, is speaking a word to him. And so often that's what we do. We look at culture. We look at society. We look at our past. We look at our problems. And we're like, yep, I know you said that, God, but what about and what about and what about and what about? And the Lord said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Haven't I sent you? Now, I want to say something that most of us as New Testament believers don't realize. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter five that you are God's ambassador and you are sent to represent the kingdom of God right now in the kingdoms of this world. You have been sent. But the truth is, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Let me give you an example of this. Moses sends out 12 spies to to go through the promised land. They come back, right? And 10 of them stand up and, and they say, hey, we can't go in there because those people, they are stronger than we are. And God said they gave an evil report. And they said, we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. They didn't see things the way they really were. 
They saw things the way they were. Right? Because the truth is, when the spies went to Jericho, this was the report. The lady said, we have heard what God has done. In all of the valiant people, their heart has melted within them. And we know that God has given you the land. That was the truth. But in their eyes, they were like grasshoppers because that's what was in their heart. That's why we've got to make sure we get the right thing in our heart. I know our our kids, as they were growing up, uh, how many of you know all kids mess up? They just do. You don't need to teach them to mess up. They just mess up. And I remember one of the things that we used to tell our kids is that that's what you did, but that's not who you are. You're a good kid. You did that, but that's not who you are. Listen, do not let other people name you a failure, an addict, a loser, never going to amount to anything. You're probably going to end up in prison. I, I read some time ago that when prisoners were, were interviewed, over 90% of them were told they would end up in prison. Don't let anybody name you. Right? I remember as, a, as about a four-year-old, my dad was working on a car. And uh, he, was a, he was a really a good dad, except that he had quite a temper. And uh, he said, he said uh, get a wrench. I didn't know what a wrench was. I got something and it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I remember him saying, why you are so stupid. Can't you do anything right? And I, I, I want to tell you that that stuck with me for years and years and years. The Bible says there is that speaks like the piercing of a sword. Somebody can say something and go into your heart. It says, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. And let me just say something. Your Bible comes from God's tongue. Is what it said. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And God's word will promote spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. God's word will build you up. Um, Somebody informed me of the exact date in between services. But in uh, 1993, we had a guest speaker by the name of Peter Daniels. Uh, Peter's Daniel was an Australian. When he was young and in grade school, his teacher, Mrs. Phillips, he actually wrote a book entitled, Mrs. Phillips, You Were Wrong. But Mrs. Phillips said to him, Peter Daniels, you are a bad, bad boy. And you will never amount to anything. For whatever reason, those words just penetrated down on the inside of him. And he says when he he found himself 26 years old at a dead-end job that he hated, illiterate, shy, and just could not see anything ahead, nothing ahead. He said he ended up at a Billy Graham crusade, 26 years old. And when Billy Graham gave the invitation, he went forward. He said, and then he got a Bible and began to teach himself to read in that Bible. And he said, the Bible began to reverse the curse. Reverse the curse of those words. He said, after he was reading the Bible, he also got a dictionary. Opened up that dictionary 
and went through the entire dictionary, pronouncing every word and trying to remember as many definitions as he possibly could. When he came to us in 1993, he was a billionaire, had a extensive uh, enterprise in real estate. And the last time I, I talked to him, he was actually trying to purchase the largest farm in Australia, which is a little bit bigger than the state of Texas, the farm. Right? Robert, he was on Robert Schuler's board, and Robert Schuler said this of, of Peter Daniels. He said, he is the best speaker anywhere in the world. 26 years old, he was illiterate. And he said, I was illiterate because Mrs. Phillips told me, you're a very, very bad boy, and you will never amount to anything. And as long as he let her words frame his life, that's what happened. But when the Bible began to reverse the curse, and when the Bible began to show him who he really was, everything changed in his life. Right? Uh, we can do anything that God calls us to do with God's help. In Isaiah 53, in verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You know, the society, your past, your relatives, friends, social media, they've got a picture of you. They've got you in a box. But God says, I've got a report about you. And who has believed my report? He said, because when you believe my report, my arm, my strength, my grace, my power is going to be revealed in you. That's when it happens, when we believe his report. Uh, I didn't get saved till I was 20. And, and I can tell you, I am not the same person that I was. Now, when I got saved, I, I immediately had a tremendous hunger for the word of God and began uh, intensely, I would say, studying, but even more reading the Bible. I, I've been saved for 47 years. And all except one year of that, uh, I've read between 10 and 20 chapters in the Bible every single day. I did not miss one single day in 47 years. Right? There was one year where I tried somebody else's Bible plan where you read two chapters in the Old Testament, two chapters in Psalms and Proverbs, and then two chapters in the New Testament. I tried that one year. It just didn't do it for me. All right. So now the, the, the Bible says over in James that you look intently into that perfect law of liberty. That's your Bible. That's your mirror. He says, you look intently. Now, I want to say something. Just reading your Bible is not looking intently. Right? I won't recommend coming to church because it's part of the process. Right? But it is not. If you just come to church, it's not looking intently. Joshua 1, well, look at this. Romans 4, verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded that he, had, that, he, that he that had promised was able also to perform it. Now, Abraham got to the place where he was fully persuaded. Got that? And that's where you and I need to get. We need to get to the place where we are fully persuaded that everything God said he'll do for you, 
he'll do for you. Everything he says you can do, you can do. Everything he says you have, you can have. And you do not get fully persuaded just showing up at church. You don't even get fully persuaded reading the Bible 10 chapters a day. Right? There's something else that you need. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Right? Now, we tend to say we need to say what God says. And that is true. Right? We do need to say what God says. But it's more than that. In Philemon, it's in your New Testament. It's this, one of the smallest books. It's one chapter. And in verse 6, it says... That, but that, the, that your faith will become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. So you need to acknowledge who you are in Christ. And by the way, there's 133 different verses in the New Testament that talk about who you are in Christ. So I brought just some of my confession cards with me this morning. And uh, I want you to make a couple of confessions with me, because literally, I believe this, that when it says God's word is not to depart out of your mouth, but you're to meditate in it day and night, it can't depart out of your mouth. It's talking about confession. And Philemon says you need to confess every good thing that you have in Christ. So let me just lead you in a few short confessions. Ready? The Lord will bless those who fear him. You guys. Both small and great. May the Lord give me increase. More and more. Me and my children. May we be blessed by the Lord. Who made the heavens and the earth. Satan. You can't bind me with sickness. I've been delivered from your kingdom and translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. Sickness is ungodly. Sickness is of the devil. Satan, you can't put it on me. Who do you think you are? You're a defeated foe. Jesus stripped you of your authority over me. I resist you in Jesus' name. I am delivered. I'm free. I am loosed. I'm no longer bound in Jesus' name. Sickness is a power of the devil. Jesus gave me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. I trample on disease. I tread every evil underfoot. Jesus gave me authority over sickness. Sickness, I trample on you. Get out, get out, get out. You have no right to dominate me. Get out of my body in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, you're under my feet. I'm seated with Christ above all the power of the enemy. Jesus has given me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I've been given the right the privilege, the responsibility to exercise authority as a believer. I release my authority as a believer with words of faith, 
I declare, now name any sickness, any oppression, name it, arthritis, cancer, whatever it is, name it. I declare you are bound. You're unlawful. I declare the door to divine healing is open. It's God's will for me to be well. I say yes to health and healing. I declare yes to the will of heaven. And I shout no to all Jesus died to redeem me from. God is speaking to me now. He is saying, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. He's watching over his word to perform it. And he is the Lord who heals me. He's healing me now. His word contains the ability to produce what it says. He's the Lord that healeth me. His word's full of healing power. God is bigger than sickness and disease. He's dwelling inside me, healing me now. The Lord that heals me is my shepherd, and I'll not lack healing. I thank you, Father, because you're my healer, and you're healing me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, his word shall not depart out of your mouth. You see, as you're looking in the mirror, mirror, Bible, Bible, tell me who I really am, and you see who you are, you need to write it down. Write it down and confess it. Confess it. So that, don't let that word depart out of your mouth. And as you confess that word, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, your faith becomes effectual. It literally is like it gets supercharged. How many of you are, you are just speaking? You could sense something down on the inside. You just like, yeah, some victory is rising up. Some faith is rising up. You don't do that just once in a while. You do that every day. Every day. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, and you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Wow. Man, let me just go a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm a long way from done, so. but that's always good. I never finish. All right. I want to talk to you about Moses a minute. Moses, uh, he's born to Jewish parents that are living in Egypt. And the, the Pharaoh has decreed any male child needs to be put to death. So his parents, they, they make a basket and they put him in a basket and uh, they, they put it in the Nile River. And as the Pharaoh's daughter comes down and sees that basket, little Moses cries and she sends out and has him brought over and she adopts him as her own child. Well, he knew that things were not exactly as they appeared. He had the Egyptian society telling him something. He had the Jewish society telling him something else, but he knew he was created for more. And as a result, there's this, there's, there's something, there's this, this struggle going on the inside for identity. Who am I? I mean, he's Jewish, but he's been brought up in the home of Pharaoh. And besides all that, he, in, in his trying to find his identity, you know, when, when you're searching for your identical, you do radical stuff. He ends up killing somebody, runs away. 
Now he's a convict. He's a murderer and he ends up hiding and he's a shepherd on the backside of a desert for 40 years. And God shows up to address his insecurities. And the first thing that Moses said was, who am I? Who am I? And this was God's answer to who are you? He said, I will be with you. Do you know what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him being with us. And when God is with us, we can do anything and everything that God has called us to do. God did not define Moses by his mistakes, by the murder, by the confusion. God defined him by his grace, by what God had called him to do. I want you to just say this with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Then he said to God, he says, well, God, who are you anyway? What's your name? And I love what God said. God said, I am who I am. Now, some, some, time, some, some translators have actually translated it this way. I will be whatever I need to be. His name is El Shaddai. He is the God who is more than enough. You know, we said it just a, a few moments ago. May I be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. One thing about this. They tell us there's over 100 a hundred million galaxies, each with over a hundred billion stars. Most of them a thousand times the size of this planet. That's the God who's going to bless you. That's the God who's going to go with you. So he said to Jeremiah, he said, is there anything hard for me? There's nothing. There's nothing even hard. You know, I heard about a little girl. She was a uh, in, in uh, second grade, and they had their art project, and the, the teacher said, uh, I want you to draw something today. And so she drew Jonah in the well. And the teacher came by and said, what is that? She said, well, that's Jonah inside the well. And the teacher said, oh, you can't do that. That never happened. That can't be. The well can't swallow a person. And the girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. And the teacher said, well, what if he's not in heaven? Well, she said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> uh, the Lord made the heavens and the earth <laughs> by your great power and your outstretched arm. And nothing, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. And Moses said, well, what if they don't believe me? And, and let me just close with this. You and I live for an audience of one. We live for, for his pleasure. That's what we were created for, his pleasure. And when we please God, if people receive it, they receive it. If they don't receive it, they don't receive it. But we're here to please the one that is our Lord and our King, Jesus. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? You know, you were created for relationship with God. Pasquale said there's a vacuum inside every person. It's a God-shaped vacuum. I, I, I like to just say an eagle was created to fly, a fish created to swim in water, and you were created for relationship with God. And life doesn't work the way it's supposed to work until you come into that relationship. I know that there's some here, you're, you're away from God. Others. You don't know where you stand with God. 
The Bible says we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're forgiven right with God and on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be. And we're going to pray together. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you are going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be a part of his family. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you can, please put one hand over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. Wherever you're at with your device, if you can do that, please do. And just make these words your own. Say this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. He is my Lord. I receive the forgiveness he purchased for me. I thank you my past is gone and that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.